listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Hour number two of Miller and Moulton here on the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Thanks so much for being with us. Bob Herrick to join us in a little less than 40 minutes. Live from Mexico, he's covering the LIV event, which is at Mayacoba, which used to host a PGA Tour event for the last few years. But now they've abandoned the tour in favor of LIV, which is another interesting factoid in the whole war between the tours and what have you. Tiger and Rory with a big announcement yesterday about their virtual golf league. Hey, quick question about that. Tiger was asked, is there going to be gambling? And he went, yeah. In fact, he looked at Rory and said, we don't know how to play without it. Right. He said it's, I, I, I almost said it's an integral part of our sport or it's a huge part. I mean, he, he came right out and said what we right. all know, but that's just not normal things that are said at a presser. Hey, gambling's a big part of, of our game. Okay. Question. They're in Florida. Can they legally gamble on this? I mean, Governor DeSantis was there. I mean, or is this going to be people watching at home in states where you're allowed to place bets? I, I mean, I, I'm being serious here because you and I have a vested interest in bringing legalized sports gambling to the state of Florida. I mean, it would likely add 10 to 15 years to our careers because the legalized sports gambling world would spend oodles of money on sports radio for yahoos like us to continue to do a show. To talk so to you a- about gambling. Right. More than we already do. <laughs> so believe me, it benefits Miller and Moulton for legalized sports gambling in Florida. More than you could ever imagine. Full disclosure. Right. But with that said, I mean, can you bet on sports in Florida? No. In a legal way? No. Right now? No. I don't think you can, right? You, you can't. can't even, you can't even go to a casino on Indian land and, and bet on sports. Not at right this now, current correct? time. Right. So does this league, in conjunction with the PGA Tour, by the way, it is. I mean, it's a symbiotic relationship here. Tiger and Rory are doing this to make money, but also to boost the profile of the tour. They're, this is an all-out war. They're going to win. Does this cause a change in our sports gambling laws in this state within the next 11, 12 months? I hope so. The one thing that I find fascinating is that they're going to be betting one another while they play. That's the way they're talking about it. In essence, if sports gambling is not legal, is that gambling? I mean, they won't care, and it's it's going to be 50, 100 bucks, but – does that matter? I, I I would think it would. I would think it would. These guys are worried about their image. You know, somebody points out, you know what you guys are doing is illegal. Now, I mean, nobody's going to give them a hard time over it because, you know, do we want to guess as to the percentage of golfers who have something 
invested financially in the round, even if you're playing for $2 a side. I mean, how many rounds of golf, Mark, do you play in which there's not a dollar at stake on that round? Only if I'm playing with my son. Okay. And I mean, you know, there's not a time that I play golf that I'm not gambling. Right. That's the whole whole point of playing the damn game. Well, and Tiger damn near gave that impression yesterday. Uh, He he said what we've all known for years. I mean, you get on the first tee with a group of guys, how about a $5 NASA? Everybody in? Uh, That's just. Technically, it's illegal. Technically, it is. It's like every now and then you hear the story around March Madness time and they crack down on the, you know, behind the bar. They got the, you know, the brackets posted. And every now and then there'll be a local law enforcement person somewhere in the country who cracks down on the bar that, you know, sold 64 teams to a bunch of people at 20 bucks a team or what have you. I mean, technically it is, although now in 30 states, it may not be. It may be legal in those 30. I don't know what they're, I know there you can bet on professional sports in 30 states in this country. Does that also allow you to have the brackets behind the bar at your local watering hole? Probably uh, not. <laughs> right. I, I mean, probably not because the state's not benefiting from it, David. So I, I, that would guess that technically that, but no one's ever bothered with that stuff. Seems so, like they don't bother with a $5 NASA when someone's playing a round of golf, but it would be interesting that a so, public forum if they're out gambling like that. Right. So that's number one. Number two, and we've just asked, we're not lawyers, right? And besides the fact that I love law and order, right, and have slept in a Holiday Inn Express in the past few months, all right, I'm not trying to play one on this show. But there's a bad look right now, at the very least, associated with the University of Alabama men's basketball program. Their star player was in a small way involved in the fatal shooting of a 23-year-old woman last month. Apparently, there were two guys involved in the shooting. One of them called this player and said, hey, get me my gun and bring it to me here. And so essentially, Mark called me and said, David, bring me my gun. I got the gun, brought it to Mark. Mark ended up handing the gun to Felipe. Felipe shot the woman. Right? That's how I got it? Yes. So that's how it went down. And so my involvement, for this sake, I'm the star player. Okay? When, like, could you see me averaging 19.8 rebounds a game? Please. Okay, I couldn't even do that in indoor Nerf League. So apparently this came out in, you know, their police testimony yesterday. They're trying to see whether or not this is going to go to trial. And so the police divulged, here are the facts. Well, we didn't know that the really good Alabama basketball player was involved in this. And was at the bar, witnessed the murder. Another Alabama player was at the bar, witnessed the murder. Both were questioned at length by authorities. Now, the star player and the other basketball player not charged, okay? The guy whose gun it was was associated with the program in the university. He obviously no longer is. And so it's a messy, bad look at best. But what many are wondering is, is the star player, did he legally, is this some sort of state, county cover-up because he's a star player on one of the top three teams in the country. 
who's going to be a top five pick in the draft in June. Or, no, he didn't do anything legally wrong because how was he supposed to know what the guy was going to do with the gun? Although, usually, when you ask for a gun. Yeah, I mean, that, and again, law, not talking law here. Right. If you called me and said, bring me my gun. Right. Why? Now, well, (laughs) self-defense, right? Apparently, I don't know, there's a situation here. I'm scared. Bring me my gun. Okay. Obviously, it was not used in self-defense, though. It was used aggressively, tragically. And so, therefore, would you, Mark, the star player now, would you? Did you legally do something wrong because I called you and said, bring me my gun, which apparently is a legal, you know, it was not an illegal firearm or anything like that. You know, I'm apparently I had all my paperwork and the whole deal. I'm allowed to have had the gun. So. And right now, and even Alabama police are saying he did nothing wrong at this point. Alabama came out yesterday and said, listen, we've been fully cooperating and we've had numerous people in our athletic department that have been interviewed multiple times. Also, Nate Oates, the head coach, made it seem as if, listen, it's not like I've kept this from the AD and we've kept it from the university president. Okay, everybody's aware of what's going on here. So is it just a bad look? Well, it's it's more than a bad look. I just don't know if it's illegal for this player. Because what's been pointed out is that the school knew and didn't disclose that Miller was present at the time of the murder. It did know and never disclosed that there were bullet holes in his windshield from the shootout. And they did know and never disclosed that he was questioned by the police at length. So, you know, Alabama knew a lot more, but do they have to disclose that? It's well, one see, the- and I would argue no. And I've told the story many times. There was a guy that I dealt with in another city who had a prominent sports job in that market. And he was questioned for 24 hours in a murder investigation. And I knew that. And I didn't report it. Okay, because the police told me, listen, we don't think he's a suspect, but he might have some information. But if I reported that this person was, I mean, I could have just given you the facts. He's being questioned in a murder investigation. He probably loses his job just because guilt by association. It's a bad look. And so I held it and never reported it. And th- and my guess here is that if you're Alabama and you're saying to the authorities, so he did nothing legally wrong, then they're thinking, well, why am I going to go public with this? It's only going to make the kid look bad. And you're telling me he didn't do anything wrong. The coach right now is the one who looks worse than – it looks as bad as anyone because – he looks as if he's covered this up by the comments of he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. That That's not true. Right. That's and a bold-faced lie. He brought a gun to another person. He wasn't at the wrong place. He was called. Now, he might have ended up at the wrong place at the wrong time, but he was called there and went there willingly. Now, he did. He saw very quickly how those comments were being played out, and he's like, oh, this is not good. And he clarified those comments about 90 minutes later. But yes, his initial comments yesterday were not good. So, you know, it looks as if Brandon Miller, I believe, is the player's name. 18 points, 8 rebounds a game. Expected to be a top five pick in the draft. 
Alabama is going to be a one seed. Right now, according to the NCAA, they're the number one overall seed. Nate Oates is still coaching them. Neither one of us expect any of that to change. But for the next 48 hours, they are going to get destroyed by the national media, fairly or unfairly. You decide. Your thoughts at 21,000, That's the text line. Whether you want to comment on the Alabama case, the gambling, virtual golf, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy presser yesterday, or whether or not you eat in bed. It's that simple. It's our poll question today. Do you eat in bed? Yes or no? We limited it to two options because they are the only options, despite the fact that some want to call for more. Answer that. Miller and Moulton, thanks so much for listening right here on the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-one minutes past the hour. Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Clutch vodka play of the day coming up in a few minutes. You know how sometimes that person that you're in a relationship with, and let's face it, when you're co-hosting a four-hour radio show together and you've been doing it seventeen years, okay. I mean, Mark and I are in a relationship. There's no doubt. I, I you know, I've joked. I've been watching that full swing, and they've been talking to some of the caddies and players that are close. And it's like, yeah, we're. We're like a married couple. And I, right. and when they said that, I went, well, I can relate to that. I, I, I can truly relate to that. And you know when you're in a relationship, you know, that that person in your life, they can, you could be in a bad mood and they can snap you out of it. You know, they, they're one of the few people in the world that could snap you out of it. But they're also one of the few people in the world that, you know, if your day's off to a good start and Mark's day got off to a great start. Because he heard that song. And he, Mark's got three to four minutes in the car. And that's only if he catches the light. I mean, he could have two minutes in the car. If he actually hits the light, he can just make the quick left U-turn. He's in the parking lot. So he doesn't even get the full song. But apparently today he got the full song. And Mark, what song did you get? Gladys Knight and the Pips, Midnight Trade to Georgia. Best backup vocals maybe ever. And I was doing them with the dance moves in the car. And you know the pips, okay? The arms and the hips and the turning of the shoulders. And then Midnight Train to Georgia, what do you got? Woo-hoo! Right. So Mark's in a phenomenal mood. Then he has to deal with the guy he's in a relationship with here, me. And... Between wrapping up yesterday's poll question about whether or not you can have wings that are too big, and apparently the answer is no, barely. Barely. All right. But then we got to talking about eating, and so I eat in bed. And apparently that's one of the five worst things you can do in Western civilization. You don't just eat in bed. It's your dining room. What I'm figuring out, and I've ne- I've known you a long time. That, and I get you don't eat at the dining room table. And I, I get that you might eat in front of the television and might just eat standing up at the kitchen counter. I, I get all of those things. But apparently, your bed is your dining room. And that is incredibly odd to me. It's not my dining room. but You it's had my... stew in bed. Stew. I did. 
stew. Beef yeah. stew. Uh-huh. In bed. It's your dining room. And not only that, it didn't even reheat it. Okay. <clears throat> so, yes, I did. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh-huh. I'll, I'll do it again, too. So, Mark, when I let him know during the break, uh, I stew in bed last week. And Mark's like, basically, I'm quitting. I need a new job. I have to get a new partner. And so I go, well, I mean, Stu, come on. I got the big container. Okay, I'm eating right out of it. I actually kept everything in the container. I didn't spill it or anything. And Mark didn't believe me. I'm like, no, no, no. Usually I do. This time I didn't. But then I said, Mark, the stew's not a problem. Chips and salsa are better the problem. And that just <laughs> sent him off. Because it's crumbs and pieces of salt and the chance you get salsa in the bed. Now you got a tomato stain there. Oh, my goodness. See, eating in bed with something that requires a fork or a spoon, I can understand. But eating something with your hands in bed is where I draw the line. Like, if you gave me a bowl of pasta with a fork. Now we're having spaghetti and meatballs in <laughs> no, bed no, no, for no, crying not, out loud? Not spaghetti, like penne pasta. <laughs> oh, oh, well, penne pasta. Well, in bed. I, I can't. Well, you're not eating with your hands. I mean... Well, most people aren't, but you know, so back to the salsa, chips and salsa. Now, remember the chips can stay in the bag. Okay. The salsa can stay in the jar. So now, Mark, where do you put the jar? You put it, put it on, on the shelf. shelf, put it on the shelf on your belly. Okay. So you're laying there, you're watching TV. The chips are to your right because you eat right-handed. You take the chip from the bag, you dip it in the salsa, you put it right in your mouth. What's the problem? What's the problem? If, if at the end of about 213 chips, okay, that there are crumbs, where are they? They're on the shelf. They what are not just on the shelf, though. There are, there are exploding crumbs shelf. and salt that has gone everywhere. They're on the shelf. I want one of those lights. <laughs> I want to go see. I want to go CSI Jacksonville. I need one of those lights. Is this blood at a crime scene? Exactly. Is that what you want? <laughs> Mark, let me tell you. If you bring one of those neon lights into my bedroom, okay, it, it'll just be nothing but neon. I mean, there'll be crumbs everywhere because that's the thing. That's what you do. You look and you go, man, there are a lot of crumbs on these shelf. So then you reach over, you grab the top of the salsa jar, you put it on put the salsa next to your thing. And then you strategically, you have to get up so that all your crumbs do what projectile off of the shelf onto the floor. And with your agility, your flexibility mm -hmm. and your pure athleticism at your age, I know that that escape from the bed, nothing would ever get on the bed, that it all goes right to the floor. Mark, once again, I do not look athletic and I'm not. Okay, but this is food athleticism. All right, this is like foul ball molten. Remember, you've seen foul ball molten in action. Surprising quickness and agility. Good thir first three steps, more than I thought you had. All right, this is food athleticism. All right, this is like the guy who's not fast, but you put him on that three-cone shuttle, surprise you. And also, here's the backup. If by chance you get crumbs in the bed, you know what you do? You put them back on the floor. You just wipe them onto the floor. 
getting David a vacuum fast. She needs one of those. Time now for our Clutch Vodka play of the day. It doesn't involve eating in bed, although it's from the sounds of it, Molten's chips and salsa could be worthy of our play of the day with that agility of getting out of bed with apparently outspilling any crumbs in the bed. Felipe, what do you have? Yeah, really cool moment from East Lansing last night. Michigan State once again hosting their first home game since that tragic shooting on campus. Hosting 17-ranked Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. 15-point victory. Here's some of the sounds from the night. Hogarth with the basketball. Breaks to the basket. He gets by everybody, and he burns Jackson Davis for the easy layup. Hauser wide open for a three. No good. Rebound, Monty Sissoko. Now to Akins. He'll try a three. He got it. Indiana tries to get a shot. No good. Turnover, and there will be no more scoring in this game. Well, we say there's no place like home. And that's the story of this evening at the Breslin Center. This basketball team needed to come home, and it got a win that it also needed desperately. Sparty with the win at home against Indiana. That's our Clutch Vodka play of the day. That's Clutch with a K. Go to ClutchSpirits.com. Look for Clutch Vodka anywhere that you buy your spirits and hashtag all your drinks on social media with the hashtag Clutch Spirits. They played Michigan in their first game after the shooting. They were supposed to play Minnesota. That game got canceled. They played Michigan. And uh, and I know you guys hate each other, but you got to give it up to Wolverines with a classy moment before that game. Incredibly classy. They had the green lights. All the, the fans were wearing Spartan Strong stuff. It was a, a very special moment. It, Izzo was very emotional on the court, both in Ann Arbor and again last night, obviously. They had the eight seats for the three that died and the five that were shot in the front row, left alone, and uh, Sparty with the big win that they needed and not much of a surprise, really, with everything going on that they would have a, a great emotional performance last night. Every now and then, sports can help. Every now and then. Just make you feel a little bit better about things for a, a short while. Kind of like chips and salsa in bed, apparently. It can well, make you feel better for a short while. And then the crumbs are there. And then, to me, there would be incredible guilt at that point, but apparently not so much for you. Well, I was raised Catholic, so I'm used to it. Miller and Moulton. Bob Herrig to talk golf from Mexico next. You're listening to Miller and Moulton exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 22 minutes before the hour, Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Pat Kerwin to join us, talk all things NFL at the top of the hour. Seth Everett joins us for his weekly appearance one hour from now. Bob Harrig is kind enough to join us once again, and he does so south of the border covering the LIV event in Mexico. Bob covers golf for Sports Illustrated. It was just 10 months ago, Mark, that Tiger and Phil, golf's most fascinating rivalry was released you can still get that it's in a way it could be even a better father's day gift this year than last year think about everything that's happened since then cover bob on twitter at bob harrig h-a-r-i-g bob it's david and mark once again thanks for your time good morning how are you hey good morning how's it going 
Well, it's going pretty well. Uh, first off, how many LIV events did you cover last year? And like, did you go on the road with the LIV last year? Or is this the first time that you're leaving the States to cover this tour? No, I actually did seven of the eight last year. Um, we we kind of decided to go in, all in to see, you know, really what it was like. And uh, so I went to London for the first one, and I went to Thailand and Jeddah for the trip in the middle, um, you know, uh, the, towards the end of the year. Did the last one in Miami. And um, I, I don't expect I'll do quite as many this year. They have 14 of them. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously we wanted to be, um, um, we wanted to be at the first one of their, you know, what is now they're calling the league, you know, the live golf league. So, uh, uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting experience. You know, obviously this has been incredibly disruptive and very controversial for a lot of reasons. And, um, you know, and you've got some really, you know, be honest you got some name guys doing this that um you know a, a year ago this time we would have had a hard time believing um that, that any of this could have gone down uh certainly to, to the extent that it has and they have to me bob a little bit of momentum obviously with cam smith joining they've added a few more players in the last couple of weeks they're getting some younger players at the little bit of status at first this was you know a few also rands in, in, in dj but now it seems as if they have continued their momentum. Is that a fair statement? Well, actually, you know, I, I, I might argue differently. I, I, I thought they had momentum when they finished last year in Miami. Their, their, their team event at Doral was, was probably their best one. Um, you know, I thought that the, the vibe there, the fan interest, the, you know, the spectators, the mood – was was as good as any I had been to. The, the Thailand event was very good for that as well because in a place like that, they don't get to see Phil Mickelson or Dustin Johnson. So it was very, very well attended there. The problem that I have is that in the offseason here, they've, they've, they've sort of had one thing after another. They've lost several executives. Um, it took them a long time to get their schedule done. And, you know, so I surmise that their, their bosses in Saudi Arabia meddled. Last year, they didn't. They stayed out of it. Um, there wasn't supposed to be a, a, an, another event in Jeddah this year. They had a 14-tournament schedule without that. For, for numerous reasons, it's a bad idea to go back there. I understood it last year because they were, you know, they, they were trying to get eight tournaments and getting venues was tough, but they had a 14 tournament schedule lined up this year without going back to Jeddah. And they insisted they go there and it's going to end up being their team championship event at the end, which, you know, I, I went to the event there and there's no people, you know, there's barely a thousand people at, at the event. There's no golf, but louder vibe, you know? So I, I think that hurt them. Um, it took them it really took them till this week to get their entire team lineup announced. Um, you know they needed to be hyping this first event here for a long time. It go it's going up against the Honda Classic, which is not a great field. They do have an opportunity here to maybe you know capture some people who are who might be curious, and we'll see. I I, I just think they they might have lost a little bit there 
And now they're not going to have, I don't think, the, um, you know, quite the, the, uh, the, the drama that we saw throughout last year. There's not supposed to be any defections now. These 48 players, more or less, are locked. They're not going to be signing somebody after the Masters, per se. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, they, they did get a network deal, um, the CW network. It's been, it's been somewhat uh, maligned, but I, I think it's a good outcome for them. You know, the, the CW network is in a lot of homes, and they weren't getting on NBC, CBS, you know, ABC, ESPN. So this was, this was a good outcome for them. Now they have, you know, an actual broadcast partner, uh, and they're starting to, you know, now they need to start getting sponsors and things like that. And, and I guess we're, I have to give them some slack is it's only been a year. You know, these things don't come together overnight. It takes time. Uh, and, you know, so far, um, when you look at it from that standpoint, it's pretty remarkable how far they've come. The Honda, Palm Beach this week, uh, Golf Channel and then NBC, the LIV event Friday through Sunday in Mexico, Friday CW. Apparently they're saying Friday's coverages, Mark, are only going to be on the CW app. And then you're going to get Saturday, Sunday coverage uh, in the States and in North America. You're going to get it live when it's overseas. It's going to be taped, delayed, and then shown on the CW. There was a press conference yesterday in the States, Bob. Tiger, Rory, and this uh, tomorrow sports is what they're calling it. This TGL, this high tech golf league. First off, Bob, your gut feeling like we're mixed. Mark doesn't think it's going to work. I think Tiger's involved. He could read books to school children and people would watch. Okay. Your thoughts <laughs> on this high tech golf league? Yeah, I agree. Having Tiger and Rory involved gives it a, gives it a chance. I think we're gonna we're gonna be intrigued or least curious about what it is and i give them credit for thinking outside the box a little bit um you know i think if anything what live has done is it's forced the tour and some of the other players who are who want to remain with the tour to recognize that the game could use some alternative formats it could use some things that are different um you know maybe to attract a different audience i mean this is going to be a two-hour monday night show contained inside. Now that's it. It's not a, you know, it's not a four day commitment. It's not a five, six, eight hour commitment. It's two hours, you know, and we'll see these guys hit shots on a simulator. And then I guess there's going to be some sort of in studio bunkers and greens and things like that. I mean, I just think from that standpoint, it'll be interesting how they, how they make that work. And I guess there's going to be these three man teams and they're going to do it for like what Monday nights for like two months. Um, and uh, I don't know that every player will be there for every one. I don't think that's going to be the case, but you'll see them for a majority of them. And I think something like this is worth trying. You know, whether or not it will be successful is another story. Um, you know, I, I still am having a little bit of a hard time wrapping my arms around exactly how it will work. But it sounds like they've put a lot of time and resources into, into it. They gave themselves a long window to launch. You know, they announced this in August and it isn't starting until next January. So, and now they've been slowly signing up some players. And, you know, obviously these guys are going to be getting paid. This is sort of another response to live. It's a way for 
the games elite to get compensated a little bit better. Um, not that they were comp- compensated poorly, but I do think that, you know, the reason this has all come about is because, you know, in golf, there's no guarantees. And it's a commercial entity where the stars seemingly, you know, are sometimes they're, they're doing a lot of performing for nothing. Uh, and uh, so now this is one area that maybe kind of fills in one of those gaps. It will be fascinating. And I'm all into the, I'm a video game guy. I like video games. I like the idea of playing this game. I just don't know how much I like the idea of sitting down on a Monday night and watching guys play video games. That That's where I am on it. But we will, mm-hmm. we will definitely find out. Bob, I'm curious. Where's the better field this week? At the tournament you're covering or at the Honda? Yeah, listen, I think if you broke it down by the world rankings, it's, it's, it's probably this one. Um, you know, I think they, uh, and look, let's be honest, the, you know, the world rankings don't really reflect the true ranking of some of the live guys now because they've not been getting points. But, you know, when you have um, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, Joaquin Neiman, um, you know, Patrick Reed, Taylor Gooch, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau. You know, that's probably better than Honda, which I believe doesn't have anybody in the top 18 or 17 and only eight of the top 50. And look, this is no reflection on the Honda Classic. It's a great and has been a great tournament. They are just a victim of circumstances right now. They follow two designated events. Uh, in in, in uh, you know Phoenix and Riviera this year, and they precede to Arnold Palmer and the players. In fact, even in recent years, you know Tiger's event and the Arnold Palmer, it has been squeezed in between them several times. Those were already elevated. They had bigger purses. They had um, you know a better exemption for winning. Um, a lot of people aren't skipping those tournaments, and it made Honda easy to skip. You know, now it's even worse with, with the requirement that guys play these tournaments. So, you know, the Honda's in a tough spot there in, in the schedule. And I think going forward, the tour has to really work hard to try to spread some of this out so as to not hurt some of its regular tournaments. And that's a challenge. Yeah, they may have to change designated events, quite frankly, year to year. Otherwise, I don't know how the Hondas of the world are continue to hold on to their sponsors. Uh, Bob, there were some whispers in the last week that maybe a golfer or two on the LIV League is, uh, well, got buyer's remorse. Uh, the most prominent name mentioned was Brooks Kepka. Have you sensed any of that? And by the way, is he finally healthy? Yeah, you know, I thought he was healthy. He won the he won the Saudi event and looked pretty good doing it. Um, and uh, but you know, just recently he he played in a uh, international series event. That's that's sort of an elevated series event on the Asian tour. He went to Oman. Uh, my guess is you know, live live funds the international series, and some of these guys are being contracted to play those tournaments, and he missed the cut. You know, I mean, that's a fairly weak field, and he missed the cut. I mean, that's not a great sign. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he, you know, the problem is is none of these guys are going to admit publicly that, they, that they're regretful. I just don't see that happening because, especially the ones who are under contract um, and, and, you know, have a couple of years to go and have been paid a lot of money up front, 
it might be the case, but um, you know, it's 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 really probably a bad thing for them to say it. Um, I'm not sure Kepka regrets it. I mean, he was he was uh, you know in a tough spot in his career last year. He was injured a lot. Um, his game had slipped. You know, 2021. You know, he had he uh, he. I guess you know he had won in Phoenix, and then that was it. You know, he kind of kind of fell off, and and I wonder if he just looked at the money and thought, you know, I might not be might not be very good ever again. So, you know, the big test will be how how do these guys do in the majors? I mean, Kepka's in the majors um, for a couple of years. Uh, and, you know, there's going to be some pressure on those guys, I think, to perform in that setting. And, uh, you know, there'd be nothing better for Liv than to have one of their players win or, or certainly contend. You know, we saw what a big deal it was a few weeks ago when Patrick Reed was in contention against Rory. You know, it was, um, there was a lot of intrigue because of that. He's Bob Harrick. He covers golf for Sports Illustrated. He's at the LIV event in Mexico. And remember, he authored the book 10 months ago, Tiger and Phil, Golf's Most Fascinating Rivalry. Well, it's every bit as fascinating now, and it's probably more of a rivalry now. So pick it up if you want. It'd be a good Father's Day gift. You can follow Bob on Twitter at Bob Harrig, H-A-R-I-G. Bob, as always, appreciate your time and your insight. Enjoy your week. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Have a great day. Bob Harrod, kind enough to join us once again here on Miller and Moulton. Oh, I think the LIV needs to win a major this year. I mean, they need one of their golfers to win one of the four. It would be monstrous for that league if they did. And if they could win the first one, then, you know, literally, like literally if you're Norman and, and the golf gods say one of your guys is going to win one of the four majors, oh. you'd be like, oh, then let's do the Masters right out of the shoot. Hey. Every time. Every time. By the way, the Open Championship came out yesterday and said, yeah, the LIV guys are eligible. They're going to play. Yeah, we're, we're not changing that. It's open. That's kind of in our name. So I think I think we've put that to bed. Miller and Moulton, that's our name. <laughs> Halfway home, Pat Kerwin to talk all things National Football League on the other side. Thanks for listening right here on the Florida Sports Network.